0: I had a very different idea of what conspiracy was going to be, and this is best shown by my first note, which is, oh, really? The ocean planet, Pacifica? That's clever.
1: Not their finest hour. That is true.
0: No, but I thought that that was was what this episode was going to be, and— God damn, I wish I had seen that episode instead. Because Well,
1: how stupid do you uh, feel that a few <laughs> weeks ago, when we talked about coming of age, you were like, oh, you can't just introduce a conspiracy in Starfleet and not do anything with it. Yeah, and but I what they did was stupid. And I just completely sat on this knowledge because I knew that this was coming. And I knew that you were talking yourself into a terrible corner. But I wasn't going to say anything because I wanted you to be surprised. And I will ask you right now. Were you surprised? I
0: can't say that I would have ever expected uh, a David Cronenberg directed episode of Star Trek.
1: No, let's be clear. Richard is making a joke. Wasn't actually directed by David Cronenberg, but. He did have absolutely nothing to do with it. So okay. there's, there is that. OK, um, no. But seriously, were you surprised that they actually did go back and revisit this? Not, and I, not only did they revisit it. But it was an explicit callback to that episode yeah, because yeah, yeah. Admiral Quinn appears and Remick appears again.
0: I mean, I'm glad that they actually went with that because um, – and, and the more I am seeing of the show, the at least in the way it's – it's not nece- and we've said it's not necessarily doing continuity, but they're aware that earlier episodes happened in a way that I like. And so, yes, just based on – they did, you know, drop a major bit in one of the earlier episodes, and they do need to follow up on that. I mean, that that is a—I like that. It's a bit more sophisticated of a method of storytelling. It's a bit more interesting. It's a bit more cohesive. And yet—see, um, these last few episodes, um, we've been talking about this entire time about how, well— you know the fir- the beginning of the series is them trying to be Star Trek again. You know it's you know Star Trek the Next Generation very literally, um, and they've been going away. They're getting more with the characters. Uh, they are defining the characters. I would say that the main cast is, if with a few exceptions, Jordy and Worf um, are fairly well defined at this point. Have more to go certainly, but we can tell who Picard is. We can tell who you know, Crusher is and all like that in a way that we couldn't at the beginning. And, and yet I still don't think they know what the tone of the show is going to be. And so these last few episodes are actually fairly weird for that reason.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I, I like the fact that you bring up that the episodes at least uh, seem to make more sense. They, they hang together yeah. better. They're, they're more well written and they sort of like are not, stultifyingly boring or bad anymore um certainly we are we are well past the the lonely among us portion of Star Trek the Next Generation which is a good thing but at the same time I do think you're right that the show doesn't really know what the tone of the show should yeah. be and 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 conspiracy is strange because Star Trek doesn't really do body horror ever. I would say
0: it does body horror and gore and it doesn't do either of those
1: it doesn't ever do either of those except for this episode really and wh- what I find interesting about that is is I think I think it actually – I think it works, and I think it works for a very specific reason, and that reason is that Star Trek doesn't normally do that. I and will so, say that, yeah. Do, you yeah. Know, putting those two things in the episode m- makes the alien conspiracy feel like something that we as the audience really want them to stop in in a way that it wouldn't have if they were just necessarily – energy beings taking over we've, a body yeah. for example which we've seen many times before
0: and frankly that ending scene when they do shoot the head alien mother alien i think they call it um in the body of what's his name that was an extremely shocking and and really scary scene in a lot of ways and again if it had been within just if if that had been what is happening every week, it wouldn't be. But yeah, it is a fairly exceptional scene. Even the movies don't go really into that level of um we saw Khan and those um the the, the worm parasites or whatever. Oh, they go into the ear, yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's a similar thing when he you know, when, when he takes it out of the box in this episode, it re- it very much reminded me of that. But they and the you know, in Wrath of Khan is horrifying enough. They kind of did go a few steps beyond that. And again, this is a very... Whether it worked or not, the jury is out. And I think it might not have... It's a lot less interesting to have a conspiracy based on an evil alien taking over rather than a group of people who genuinely believe they are doing what's best.
1: Yeah, and I think... Well, I think there's a couple things there. I think number one is that you know the aliens themselves are... Not super well portrayed. We don't really know anything about them, and we don't know what their motivations are, right? They're so, doing so it that's, for evil, it's, right? And that's something that's a little outside of Star Trek's purview, I think.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Picard even mentions, you know, they saying that at the end, like we're trying to. Pret- and I do like that they address that because they they can't just kill something without dealing with it, you know. In in the way that the man trap, they killed the thing in the man trap. They they have to address that here. This is a different Federation, and he says, you know, we normally preserve life, but there was no choice but to kill that. I, I think it's fairly clear in this episode that, you know, while they may have had a movie's length of, and maybe this should have been in, treated in a movie, maybe it would have been better done, better fleshed out in some ways, but, you know, it, it is very clear that these aliens are just evil and cannot be treated with and cannot be dealt with, and they just want to destroy and take over.
1: Yeah, and I, and I I think the interesting thing, too, about this episode in general is that, you know, this was the show at the point where, you know, we're, we're pretty much at the end of the first season. I mean, we're talking about the last two episodes of the season this week. I mean, we'll talk about the neutral zone later. But, uh, you know, it, it wanted, one of the main problems, I think, with The Next Generation in general so far is that we don't have a strong adversary right and if yeah. you think about the original series at this point we had uh, Romulans and we had uh, Klingons both of which were, were fairly strong enemies yeah. that had fairly strong episodes we had Balance of Terror which I know you didn't like but it was a, it was a, it was a, a strong episode of the show and then I think Errand of Mercy as well as a strong episode of the show and so
0: and I will say that I have since rewatched Balance of Terror and while it's never going to be one of my favorite episodes I liked it better
1: yeah And, but, you know, at this point in the show's run of The Next Generation, we had the Ferengi. In, in the battle and whatever the fuck that other they, episode is,
0: they've appeared in all but two episodes and they sucked in both.
1: Right, and we have these things that don't even get a name, which I think is 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 not uh, uh you know that that's not incidental, right? Like that they didn't even get a name. Yeah. We don't know anything about them individually. We don't know anything about them as a species, and so they don't really work as villains either. And I think you see that at the end of the episode when they sort of make this thing about oh well the the mother creature got off this message and it just said hey we're here or whatever um, and I I don't feel uh, I don't want you to be on the seat of your pants for the next six years say, wondering if they, they ever come back they don't ever come back and so yeah
0: it seemed like they were setting up for okay and in the finale we're gonna have another giant alien come you know and then in the next season finale you know maybe they, and they're it seemed like they were building up to a series arc with this but and I, then they do nothing and
1: i don't i don't know that that was a bad decision because i don't think that this type of body horror and i don't think that this type of of portrayal of alien cultures really works on star trek that's not what star trek is about but what i like about this episode in in in, in general really is that the show is at least trying different things it's oh, yeah. trying to be interesting and i think even if it even if an episode like conspiracy doesn't completely work i think the show is doing things which the original series would not have done which the movies would not have done and it's starting to forge its own identity and it's starting to I think take over the mantle of Star Trek, at least a little bit and come into its own a little bit. And I think you'll see that, you know, we can talk about that more in the neutral zone, especially with yeah. the way that they reintroduced the Romulans, which I think is very interesting, yeah. but especially in conspiracy, they're kind of saying, you know what? We had, we had a rocky growing, you know, pain, yeah. pains in the start of the season. Uh, you know, we're not exactly sure that this is going to work, but, but let's try it. And, you know, I would never say don't go back and watch this episode. I I think this is a it, it, No,
0: it, I was never bored in this episode, I will say. And that that is one thing for it. It may not have been entirely successful. I may not entirely liked it, but it had some genuinely creepy scenes. The dinner scene is a, a, a terrifying scene. The
1: Oh, with the grubs, yeah. Yeah. And right. how, do you, how do you cast those roles, by the way? It's like, uh, we need an actor 40 to 50s to play a Vulcan. I know, by the way, you have to be cool with eating worms. <laughs> like, See,
0: and like post-fear factor, it would be so much easier to do that. Yeah, just call, what's um, his
1: name, Joe Rogan or right? whatever.
0: Um, the scene when, uh you know, the guy's attacking Riker and he's like, oh, vitamins, do wonders. Like, that was a really... I I liked that scene a lot because that was a very dis- that was and not- who
1: thought and who thought that that actor would have it in him especially yeah. from, from coming of age where you saw him you know five or six weeks ago and now suddenly he's you know creepy old man which I yeah. think is a, a, a coup for them
0: you know there's a yeah that that was just and maybe it was a different director maybe he's just better at playing evil like I don't know but like there were a lot of scenes like that in this episode which were extremely effective and like i said i was not bored with it
1: and i think you know i want to talk about that scene for a minute because you know i i do find it fascinating that the show uh, you know in a similar way to to spacey and this episode is nowhere near as good as spacey no. i mean i would not put conspiracy in the top 50 star trek episodes maybe not even the top 100 but
0: no and spacey probably makes the top 10 you yeah know? absolutely
1: <laughs> but what, what what I do find intriguing about that scene with with Admiral Quinn just basically wailing on Riker and and Worf, yeah. um, you know to the point where they're hitting him and he's not even really moving, and then. Beverly shows yeah. up and just shoots him and it's like <laughs> I, I... And
0: I love the way they frame that because like, you see the shot hit him and it's a second and then they you know and you're like who shot him and it's 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 Dr. Crusher and it's like oh badass
1: and it just kind of gets across the point that like I like to think that Beverly Crusher when he is when she is called to a medical emergency on the ship she's always carrying a phaser with her just in case. <laughs> Like that's just the kind of that's just the kind of person she is, yeah. you know? <laughs> Which hey, all right, it works, it comes in handy, so why not?
0: Well, yeah, I mean the medical emergency, how many times has been an aliens attacking, you know? So you know, and it's just a very practical, pragmatic – she is a very practical and pragmatic character in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I do want to talk a little bit about the first season as a whole. Maybe we can talk about that after the neutrals. Well, load, I have
0: some things I would like to say actually on that note, so.
1: But let, let's keep that in mind. I want to go back to the very beginning of the episode, though, yeah, because I think it's this... a it's a difficult episode to talk about without talking about sort of the – progression of the plot.
0: Yeah. And You know, I
1: think it's it's it starts out of it starts off in a weird place, like you said, because you have the Pacifica stuff and you think it's going to be a very different episode. And then it veers off into this wildly different direction where you know, Picard is acting strange and Picard you know, there's, there's this code forty seven stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got this this uh uh captain or admiral, whoever it is, um uh what's his name? Uh 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 Walter Keel. Yeah. Who who knew Jack Crusher and says that they introduced uh Jack Crusher to Beverly Crusher. Yeah,
0: like from what we're told, like the you know, the Crushers, Picard and Keel were apparently all thickest thieves. Like they all held out together, you know. Yeah,
1: and I, you know, I don't want to overstate the case, but I, I do think that the next generation is 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 making making an interconnected sort of societal world a little better yeah. than the original series because you kind of get the sense that, you know, Picard, uh, Beverly, Jack Crusher, Walter Keel, there are there are Starfleet officers out there. They all went to Starfleet Academy together or yeah. they all knew each other because they were all stationed on the same star base early in their career or They're whatever. they the same
0: age. They were – they would have hung out – you know, they would have just – they were their group – they were their social group. They were the people who were there together at the same time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, so, so Picard is asked to go to this planet. He goes to this planet. He beams down and there's like three other captains there and they all come out in this really, you know, weird fashion, kind of like this mob scene or something. And it, it it just feels different and it sets the tone for the episode where everybody is just a little bit off. Even to the point where Picard is off because he's off balance. He's not sure who to believe or what to believe.
0: Well, here's the interesting thing that – and it wasn't until this episode that it clicked for me. Um While Picard is never going to be an evil character, while he's never going to be an untrustworthy character, while the show's morality is aligned with Picard, I don't trust him as much as I do Kirk, just because, and this is an interesting thing I'm finding about the show as a whole, Picard is a lot more, and this is going to sound strange, Picard is a lot more his own man than Kirk was, in that... The 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 next generation Enterprise is a group of individuals, and the you know initial one, as I've said, was you know several characters forming the same character. Um, P- Kirk would not be able to. Kirk would have immediately gone to you know Spock and Bones and said, you know, here's what I'm dealing with. You know, the only person Picard tells is his counselor, who is the one person who he can tell without worry of. You know, he says at one point, "I don't want to tell anybody because that'll implicate them." Right. I mean, she really is the one person he can talk who would not be implicated in any decisions that he can make. And you know, at the same time, while he does trust Riker, I don't feel like he has that same intimacy with him that Kirk did with Spock. And so well yeah. You know, part it's partially due to, you know, at the part we've picked up the original series, Spock and Kirk have been through much more together, have known each other for longer, but I don't know. It's interesting that there has never been a moment where we thought that Kirk did anything wrong. It's been possible at a couple points in this thing. I mean, I I think everybody else on this new Enterprise does mark that picard's acting weird
1: well i think you know that that's a good point and i i i think part of that is you know there's something there which is just that they're they are setting picard up as a captain who is much more of i don't want to say a loner but he no. he, he is much more set apart from the crew and and doesn't really he he interacts with them he's friendly with them but I, you don't get the sense from Picard that he's ever going to go bowling with any of the He crew. has
0: more—his rank gives him a divide. It's kind of a heavy-as-the-head-that-wears-the-crown kind of thing. Yeah, um, and I and I do— Kirk doesn't feel that his rank, you know, sets him apart, but Picard kind of does, yeah. But I
1: do wonder how much of that is due to the fact that, you know, from, from everything that, that— and this is never stated explicitly in anything, I don't think, but, you know, from, from all indications— Kirk and Spock, if they didn't go to Starfleet Academy around the same time, they are generally of the same sort of age, right? Yeah, they're the same generation. They're the same generation, and, 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 and Riker and Picard are decidedly not, right? I mean, you get the sense that uh, uh, when Captain Picard was was in command of the Stargazer, Riker was in Starfleet Academy, or perhaps even yeah. like in 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 high school or something. So he's he's a character that is at least ten years, and possibly as much as fifteen or twenty years younger than Picard at this point. And so Picard is, I think, his age is a factor there definitely, right? Yeah, in I in mean, a way that it wasn't with Kirk and Spock.
0: It's actually funny you mention that because I'm thinking about the way the other characters have. Um, like I'm thinking about the scene in Plato's Kiss, Plato's that's a, Plato's stepchildren. I'm sorry. Uh, when Uh Yehura is talking to Kirk, and she's you know and you know they're being mind controlled into that kiss, and she's saying you know I've always gotten strength from you and stuff like that. But she's talking; they're talking really on a peer level. I'm thinking of Yar's farewell speech to Picard when she's specifically saying you know I thought of you as a father.
1: Yeah, and that's and very significant.
0: Yeah, I mean. Crusher and Picard are probably the only two peers. You know, Crusher's the only person that Picard considers a peer, really. Again, that's because they have history. They're the same age. They're at the same roughly level in their careers. Everybody else, both age-wise, I mean, are a good 10, 20 years younger than him. And
1: I think it's really interesting, too, because I don't really get a sense that, you know, I think we're supposed to think – you're right. I think we're supposed to think that both Beverly and Picard are around the same age, but – I have a hard time buying that just because Picard seems older than Beverly.
0: Yeah, but also keep in mind, he's also the captain. And, that is true. You know, she's we don't really see the way she I
1: find it I guess I I find I don't have a problem believing that Picard is supposed to be 45. I have a problem believing that Beverly Carter is supposed to be 45. That it just it, something about that doesn't make sense to me.
0: Interesting. I it I don't really have a problem with that.
1: It might just be that Gates McFadden was I was going to say she, young, you know. How old I, was she? I don't know how old she was, but I would hazard a guess that she certainly was not 45 at this time
0: given the quality of netflix and stuff i'm not sure you know again just giving given her station in life given her you know that i can i you know given her history you know given that assumedly her husband was around picard's age i'd assume she you know if if she's not 45 she's 40 and you know at that point that's you know if they have an age difference it's not a significant one. yeah she's certainly not, as, not young as young as, as, as 10 years yeah. she's not
1: as young as, as Yar, for example yeah right and well now Yar's dad dead so it doesn't matter but yeah and i and i think you know you you see that in the scene where picard beams down uh to the planet with the with the other captains and sort of like you know walter keel is set up as sort of an analog of jack crusher in some ways and they're all sort of like The same era. Right. And then at the same time, I think it's interesting because it sets up an old guard of Starfleet, which are the ones that are being taken over and and kind of a a mid guard guard, of Starfleet that that kind of are able to skirt the system in some way. But they're the ones that when the shit hits the fan, they're the ones that are really going to be. At the forefront, and then you have sort of Riker's generation, which are the ones that are going to be taking the orders from sort of the Picard era, and it's you know, and that's something. And the
0: show has even shown the next generation with Wesley, and then those Yeoman in the in that episode where Jordy was in charge, like yeah. You know, it, it's interesting how many generations are in Next Generation. And really. I guess Ooh. I
1: guess it makes sense because, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I guess it makes sense because, you know, age was very much not much of a consideration in the original series, but I think it is much more of a consideration in this show.
0: Yeah, well, you, I mean, just where youth culture went from the 60s versus the 80s is, you know, so much of a different thing that, yeah, you do need to deal with younger characters. I mean, there would be more of a... I don't know. They can do more interesting things. They can be more professional in in this in a way that, you know, the original series might not have worked.
1: Yeah, and I guess there also is, you know, a sense that, Uh, this is a more mature Starfleet, this is a more mature Federation, this is a more mature television show. And so, you know, it is going to deal with age in a different way just because of that reason as well.
0: Also, I get the sense that it's a little more regimented and structured in that, you know, Starfleet Academy takes one student and there's the exam at this time and, you know, you have this and this is how you... Like, it seems like they figured out the career path of Starfleet a little better in this series. And so... You know, there are different, you know, Star Trek, you just fill a bunch of characters and put them here. You thought about the strata within Starfleet and okay, well, there are going to be really young people who are in there and there are going to be people first starting out on the career and there are going to be people who've been in Starfleet for 50 years and there are going to be, you know, so they kind of are filling based on roles rather than making roles based on characters.
1: I think the other the other interesting thing about this episode is, is the fact that once again, it sets up the enterprise crew as being singularly yeah important and singularly competent right because they are this is the crew this is the 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 captain and the first officer that that figure out the conspiracy very quickly and break it um and part of that is just due to the fact that it's their tv show but yeah. there is that interesting exchange between i didn't catch her name but but the the woman captain in yeah, the episode the young one right where she's there's there's a very interesting line or a very interesting exchange between her and picard where you know he says basically says something like you know um oh you're one of the more successful captains yeah in like Star she's Fleet apparently and,
0: had the quickest like run through starfleet academy or she's become captain the youngest
1: and so she in effect kind of is the kirk of yeah. of this era um which i find interesting because she's a, a Black lady, right? Yeah. And that's just – I mean, you know, in 1988, we, it's it's a little different. The era is different. So they can do that kind yeah. of stuff, which I which I appreciate quite a lot. But it's good they lot. made a
0: point of it because they thought to. You know, they, that role would have unthinkingly been filled by some blonde white dude. And they figured, you know, so they know right. this is a different federation again. But what it,
1: well, what it makes me wonder is, like, wh- why not make the show about her? And, like, why not make the show about her crew? And it's like I guess on one hand – you could say, okay, well, they don't want to do that because it would be too much like Star Trek. Like, you know, they wanted to make it different and they wanted yeah. to make it feel different. Um, but I I, 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 you know, I do, I do find it interesting that even though she was set up in that way, she was not the captain and she was not the crew that was able to defeat the conspiracy. And she has
0: taken over by it. Was she taken over by yeah, it? Yeah, because remember, they she comes into the. She comes into, the, I think, the dining room even. But she is oh, definitely yeah. on Earth, and she has definitely been taken over.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because, um, what's it, so Keel is killed. You don't see the alien guy again, I don't believe. But, yeah, she comes in, and she's they've got
1: her. Yeah, yeah. One other thing I want to mention about this episode, and then maybe we can wrap it up, yeah. is how great was it to see the Vulcan nerf pinch again?
0: That was! I I was actually very... <laughs> I, th- I I will say, as far as you know puppet master creatures go I like this because it's given the you know it's giving the impression that there are distinct creatures going from person to person like they seem, you know, when he says like, oh, you were meant for, you know, the doctor, you know, or whatever, yeah. like, it's still the same guy, just in a different body or whatever. So the same creature. And,
1: and also, and also I like the fact that they, they meant the first creature for the enterprise for the doctor, because that actually makes a lot of sense oh, God. because who would, who would be the person on the ship who would have access to people I was gonna say, and have access to people in such a way that they could like surgically, you know, implant something in them. And I like And that.
0: with few questions, I mean, she, you know, when he yeah, says, she, she, can, to,
1: she can order people to come for him medical exam
0: yeah they they even address that in this episode like oh dr crusher she'll figure something out but you know she's got it you know um yeah I, I, but yeah i like that they're kind of piloting the bodies and they figure okay well this is vulcan you can do the Nerve binge i'm gonna use that ability <laughs> yeah i like I that yeah
1: um yeah that it's, was it, it's We good have like a five
0: i would say it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a six because it did shock me and i did like that
1: Okay. Well, let's move on to the season finale of this season, The Neutral Zone.
0: The most shocking episode ever. Really? Yeah, because we find out that that lady's kids were born in Secaucus, New Jersey, where they used to work. (laughs)
1: Yeah, was that – I thought that was weird. Do people actually live in Secaucus? Like, is that a place where people live?
0: It was, I think, mentioned to show how ordinary and lame she is. I was going to
1: say, like, the only thing I know about Secaucus, New Jersey, is where the train station is, and it doesn't seem like a place anybody lives. I
0: looked for apartments there once. They all really sucked.
1: Okay, well, I guess that she was – not really cool then
0: so let me ask you this we've had operation earth or whatever about that um we've had a couple of backdoor pilots in the series was this one because i feel like they really wanted to make a series about housewife financier and and you know johnny cash and like all in an apartment together and them dealing with the 24th you know no I would watch that show.
1: I would not watch that show. And uh, I would not watch that show primarily because uh, uh, the financier, I don't bother to remember any yeah. of their names, the financier, the housewife and, and Sonny and Johnny Cash. Yeah. Well, so I remember his name just because Sonny <laughs> really, you are going to name that character Sonny. Okay. Uh, um, They're horrible. Very, they're very special. <laughs> I like
0: the, I like that Sonny and data become like, really good friends the entire time. Like I like there. That's the only part of that that I liked.
1: I want to talk more about them, but I want to talk about the episode more on a a meta level because I like this episode. It's got a certain amount of charm and a certain amount of panache to it that I enjoy. It is not objectively a good episode of the show, it's a weird choice to be the season finale for sure.
0: Especially since we had a main character die and a conspiracy revealed in Starfleet as the past two episodes. Let's not forget.
1: Right. So that was weird. Um, but 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 I just I, – I cannot for the life of me uh, figure out why they felt that the return of the Romulans, which is a pretty big deal – Would be served well by being juxtaposed by a fish out of water comedy, which isn't even that funny.
0: Like the scene at the. It was worth it for the. Once the. When the Romulans decloak and you have that really scary looking Romulan ship and they're talking and they have that, you know, we've been gone for too long, you know, things have gotten out of hand, we're back. And they dec. and they turn off and they leave. Like. That was an awesome scene. That was the scene that we have been waiting for. Yes. I feel like this entire season was a pilot, and that was the end of the pilot.
1: I think, yeah. I think it'll Like,
0: this is – that. that's what – if the show were to be – now, I know the show isn't completely about Romulans. I know the Borg. I know the the, uh, Klingons. I know those become – but if the show becomes about Romulans for a while, and this is what the show is – I think that's a good way of... Because it seems like they're all over the place, and this is finally... Okay, this is something the show can do really well.
1: I don't disagree with you. I just find it very odd that they had to go back to the Romulan well. They they made an explicit decision when they first yeah. you know conceptualized The Next Generation that they wouldn't be using a lot of the alien races from the original series as main antagonists or protagonists, for that matter. And... On the one hand, yes, it's great to see the Romulans back. They do a great job with it. The 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 new design of the Romulan ship is amazing. It looks yeah. menacing. It's so much larger than the Enterprise that it's almost unbelievable. But at the same time, it feels in a way like a, a, a capitulation on the part of the crew of the show because yeah. they tried the Ferengi. The Ferengi didn't work. They tried this conspiracy business, and and I guess that didn't really go anywhere either. Um, and aside from that, I mean, what else do they really have as an antagonist? I guess Q, but that's one guy. It's not yeah. an alien race that they're going to encounter over and over and over and over again. You can have Q, like they had Q in two, two episodes this season. I think that's about as much as you want to see Q any more than that. It would get old. Yeah. So you can get
0: different Romulans at the very least. You can
1: get different Romulans. You can do different plot lines with the Romulans, which they do. Um, But it just, again, feels like they're giving up a little bit. And the fact that they so easily slip into the Romulans and they so easily do the Romulans extremely well in this episode. And, you know, it just makes me think that I don't know why they just didn't do this in the first place. That's what, yeah. Instead of trying to make the Ferengi happen, I, I just I don't know why they didn't just go with the Romulans. And especially, you know. I wonder if the 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 juxtaposition of the of the two weird plot lines in this episode, and in a, in a strange way, you know, the the Romulans coming back is a really big deal. It's very dramatic and it's very. Um, it's very instrumental in, in, in sort of the Star Trek Star Trek mythology, right?
0: And let me also say that the plot that they're basically in, this is essentially the plot of Balance of Terror at the beginning where they're going from outpost to outpost and finding it's been destroyed. Yes, like, that's,
1: that's actually a really good Wow, look at you breaking out the Star Trek. Universe. I know. and you I know, I didn't even make that connection.
0: And the twist in this one being that, no, it's actually not the Romulans. It's someone else and they don't know who. The Romulans don't even know. And we know. do
1: find out who it is later. Okay,
0: good. I I would hope so um i like that the romulans are by the way able to cooperate because they're like look this is something that's affecting both of us and i neither of us have any idea but they get the
1: characterizations of the romulans really well because the romulans are like okay we'll we'll agree to help you on this one thing but we're still dicks we're still not going to be nice to you and in anything else we're going to be really mean we're going to be antagonists you know and i
0: like feel like they've left thing like let things go to seed in the past 50 years like these humans have just kind of been fucking up the past 50 years and the romulans are back to clean up the humans mess i like, kind of
1: want to know what the hell they were doing like like because they said that they had to turn their attention elsewhere and it's like what does that
0: mean? i would say the implication was that it had something to do with what attacked them
1: i don't think so that was what i actually. Found. No, I did get that uh, it would be uh, very uh, uh, once you find out who actually is doing the attack, okay. It would be very difficult for that to be the case.
0: Yeah, and that's that. That and so it is also possible that they didn't ha- completely have an idea of that.
1: But I think – but, I, you know, it's weird anyway. that well, – I got to get off the point, but I, yeah, I think yeah, a little, yeah, it's a little strange that, you know, in the episode called The Neutral Zone, which is about the the implementation of the Romulans in, in the Star Trek universe, that they're kind of a B-plot in their own episode. Like, the, the, the bulk yeah. of our time is spent with uh, uh, the three, you know, 20th century fish-out-of-water characters, and it makes me wonder if – you know, because we've got that scene where Troy – gives a summation of the Romulans to Picard. And yeah. that obviously is more for the audience's benefit yeah, yeah, yeah. Than, than Picard. I mean, Picard would know about the Romulans. Um You know, 50 years, okay, that's a long time, but it's not long enough that they would not study the Romulans in Starfleet Academy. You know, they would know yeah. something about the Romulans. Out
0: of that conversation, the thing that he gets and the one that, he actually implements is don't attack first. You know, they are waiting for you to attack. And, right. you know, part of the reason that, you know, Riker and, you know, Worf keep advising him to attack and Picard doesn't is because, you know, he's gone from that. You know, yes, that's useful. But you're right beyond that.
1: I, I do. I do wonder if the the, the A plot of the episode, you know, the the three fish out of water 20th century people. Was, I mean, maybe this is giving Star Trek The Next Generation, the first season, too much credit, but it kind of feels to me like this was an episode that was designed primarily to introduce the Romulans to the audience, not really knowing who they were, what they were about, because, you know, maybe they didn't see the original series. And, the fish out of water, like 20th century characters almost are sort of like stand-ins for the audience. Like Hmm. they're because the episode really feels like in a way, a stage play that they are watching and they don't know what's going on. They're confused. Um, Riker and Picard are not telling them anything. They're kind of stuck in this room. You know, they're being kind of condescended to in a way. Yeah. And um, you know, at the very end of the episode when the financier comes on the bridge and you know, he's watching this and he's really freaked out and he's like, Oh, like this is the, this is real life now. Like, you know, this is kind of like I'm on a, you know, yeah. destroyer in the Pacific ocean and they're like dealing with like, you know, the Russians right now. Like this is, this is not, I don't want to fuck this up. Yeah. Like this is real shit. Um, You know, where 20 minutes earlier he was comparing the Enterprise to the Queen Elizabeth II, uh, which of course, you know, Picard gets his dander yeah. up and he's like, what, I'm a cruise ship? Uh, like, what is this?
0: And I like the financier almost takes the troy role in in that scene, you know, when he says, like they don't know anything. like he he reads them immediately. He reads the situation. I mean, I think that gives a tiny bit of redemption to that character because you do realize, like, he's an asshole, but he is and I think that's a him. good judge of character.
1: Yeah, right? and I think that's him coming to terms a little bit with where he is and what era he lives in. Because, you know, of course, he was um, really, you know, I need the Wall Street Journal. I need a phone. Yeah. I need my lawyer. I need to call my bank in Geneva. He's in need... 80s. Yeah. And and to me, it's like, you know, for, for for on the one hand, it's like, okay, why don't they just say, dude, like, um, none of that shit exists anymore. like. Yeah. World War III was established by this point, so they could just be like, "Hey, World War III happened, and like, y- your bank is gone, your your law firm is gone, yeah, uh-huh. all your money is gone, and not you know, you don't need it, you don't need it, yeah, like, like we, our entire society and civilization are structured completely differently than the way you lived in 20th century America, that you can't even begin to imagine what it's like." So, so just shut up for a while and just like, here, like read the computer, like just here, here's, here's a a 300 year version of our history. Just go read it.
0: Like, I find it very surprising that it isn't until late in the episode and it's only to the housewife that they send the psychologist in, you know? like Yeah, like you would think that would be the first thing they would do. I was going to say anybody who get, you know, to this day. So, you know, the the closest I could think of is somebody who's been, you know, either in a coma or, you know, you know, and... They would have a team of doctors working very closely with them, you know, beyond the physical things to make sure that mentally they were adjusting because, you know, this is something that unfortunately happens in real life. And there are, you know, really, they
1: find cryogenically frozen people from 300 years ago.
0: Was cryogenics really a thing in the 80s? Because I thought like I I seem to remember like, you know, I, I, I
1: cryogenics isn't real. I know
0: it's not real, but was it something that people thought would actually be real? And how? And so they're dead, I and they guess? get frozen. And Doctor Crusher's just that good.
1: Yeah, because I guess it was kind of the thing where they they were fro they the died neuros- they were yeah. they died at the moment of death. They were frozen. They died at
0: the moment of death.
1: And so she basically performed some CPR on them. That's kind of the impression.
0: I yeah, got. did that. Uh, did the thing she did to Yar, ER, but it worked.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Ninety again,
1: again. Yeah, yeah. Um
0: you know, I, I it's 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 interesting because I'm mentally stripping out all of the uh a plot stuff, all of the you know, fish out of water comedy stuff, and you, there's a really very there's not much of an episode
1: there. No, there's really not. It's, I mean once, it's, once oh my you... god,
0: something's happened and we're investigating it, and then that scene with the Romulans. So in a way, you do need a good 20, 25 minutes of padding that said they use a very uninteresting padding
1: to it yeah i don't want to oversell like the importance or the the quality of this episode no i don't think it's great and if this had been episode
0: 19 it would have probably been a lot better
1: I think if, if there was more Romulan stuff in the episode and, and less of the fish out of water characters, I think it would have been a stronger episode. I but but at the same time, you know, in the same way that I think conspiracy and and, and previous episodes that we've been talking about in the past few weeks, you know, the show is definitely getting more comfortable yeah. with itself. It's getting more comfortable with juggling multiple plot lines, and it's just getting better at telling stories. Um, I think this episode, at least, is good at telling the story that it wants to tell. Is it an interesting story? Is it a story that needed to be told? I don't know necessarily. And I can kind of see what they were trying to do with it. The fact that they're not entirely successful should not be that surprising because we have watched the entirety of the first season before (laughs) this. So, of course, they're not going to be that successful at it. But the fact that they were even able to be at least a little successful at it is instrumental yeah. in in where the show goes and sort of you know it's it's surprising in a way.
0: And I will say that, um, it you know the, the the comedy bits seem like a really bad eighties comedy. It's
1: well, they are. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that the bits that are this the bulk of the show, the sci fi bits and the sci fi even just of this episode don't feel nearly as dated. I guess in a way, like yes, this is very much a product of the eighties, but it's still very watchable. I don't, you know, feel I, like I would not watch a sitcom of that thing, like even just of that quality. It's And I
1: think I th- actually, you know, they gave an explicit date for when this is happening in this episode. You know, Data says, "Oh, it's the by year. your calendar, it's the year 2364. Yeah. That's like, I think, the first time that they've ever given like a, a, a you know, a, a Roman calendar date. You know, in Star Trek. Right. So that that's that's kind of a really important moment in the Star Trek mythology. And I don't you know want to ignore it. Um,
0: and I assume that that's a date like we, they've implied stuff in the original series. But I assume this is the first date that we've heard that we can consider accurate.
1: I think so. Yeah. OK. And but but I think the fact that they they kind of given a very explicit date for when they are, but they don't give an explicit date for where the 20th century characters have come from. Hurt it a bit because we're not able to put them in context. You know, yes. are they supposed to come from 1970? Are they? No, I don't think so. That was the thing. Like, but, I
0: assume they were contemporary to the audience. Like, but
1: I kind of got the sense that they were supposed to be like mid to late 90s. Fair. Too. Um, but it, it, it injures it because we're not able to put them in any sort of proper context. We're not able to, you know. Where, where you know what 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 exactly is going on here who are these people um what was going on in the world that they left you know yeah okay maybe we're supposed to assume that they come from 1988 but eh. it would have been even we don't have space travel in 1988 like this we don't have cryogenics in You know it would have been like just this, as so. easy
0: to have when she's talking about her kids birth dates she just mentions the day if she had said you know oh, he's born September 15th 1990 then we can date from there okay they were for was in about 95 or so you know yeah
1: 1998 you whatever know, she's, it is you
0: know like that kind of thing like or at least an era and we don't even get that. I mean, it seems they almost go out of their way to.
1: I mean, especially since the fact, you know, remains that, you know, they did give explicit dates for, say, the eugenics wars in Space Seed. And, it,
0: it's a, to, to a degree, and though. I don't, I don't
1: think that we can ignore the fact that, like, the two episodes begin very similarly as well. Yes. You know, where they're sort of finding oh, yeah, a derelict that... ship in space and there's, there's cryogenically frozen bodies on it. Yeah, um, that it
0: turns out to be innocuous was almost uh, – surprise like it you know this is actually funny this episode is kind of both the anti-space scene and the anti-balance of terror
1: yeah i guess in a way they are you know and you
0: know, i was thinking about well balance of terror is you know better because you know even though it is the same plot they keep cutting to the romulan ship and we do see what's going on on the romulan ship and they need to they need to in order to preserve that twist that okay the romulan you know there's a third and there's a third party here in order to preserve that twist Um, you can't go into the Romulan ship at all. And that, you know, so yeah, there, there is, so yeah, there isn't that much more that, you know, you could have gleaned from that. You know, I think they got all of they could from that particular plot. I mean, we do remember that balance of terror did not have a B plot. Part of it was the storytelling, but part of it was the story was fleshed enough. This, there wasn't that much more they could do without ruining it.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I you know, I do find it, you know, since we are speaking about about the original series, you know, we 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 it has been established that Riker um read a history of all the ships in the yeah. Enterprise. So to me it's like okay, whoa, wait a sec like once data like is like, hey there's there's fry, you know, cryogenically frozen bodies over here, why wouldn't Riker be like, huh? <laughs> that's a lot like the time that Captain Kirk unearthed Kano and Soong... I was going to say we should probably like be a little more careful about unfreezing these people. <laughs> and it turns out to be fine, but it seems yeah. like an oversight.
0: I mean, when you consider especially that, you know, they they Khan was a very major figure in 1999, he was a figure in Spacey and he was a figure in Wrath of Khan, like he's appeared 3 times during history and twice in the past 100 years. So, yeah, he is someone who would this is not an incidental detail like someone with clothes on in the shower. This is one of history's greatest tyrants, you know?
1: Maybe Riker was lying. Maybe he actually didn't read that book.
0: So he just made some shit up?
1: Maybe yeah, maybe he was just remembering it from some porn he watched. Um <laughs> Anyway, I think uh we can probably wrap this one up. Um four.
0: I'll give it a four guitars. Yeah, I'll give it four rhinestone guitars. I liked that guy just because he's kind of horrible, but he's really happy.
1: Also, I love the fact that they're playing up alcoholism for comedy. It's like, hey, I'm gonna eat I a, I'm gonna, go- s- I'm gonna eat a steak and green. Ah, uh, you know, I just forget all I and give me booze. Uh,
0: and he's talking. Oh my god, he when he's talking to Doctor Crunch, he's like, I need uppers and downers, you know, and then like and. She's just like, sorry, I can't help you. Ha, ha, ha. He has pill problems.
1: Yeah. Was he a wants little...
0: speed and narcotics.
1: Yeah, it was a little weird. The whole thing was a little weird. <laughs> Maybe you
0: can ju- just talk to the Bachians or whatever they were called. The who now? No, the ones from the other week with the, with the. the they're not, it's not a medicine, it's a narcotic.
1: Oh, those guys. The
0: Breckians. Yeah. Breckians. Oh, wow.
1: Look at you. The Breckians. Breckians. Well, before we wrap this episode up, uh, I feel we would be remiss if we did not talk at least a little bit about the first season in general. Um, So maybe we can do that for five or 10 minutes. It doesn't need to be a long thing. Um, But How successful do you think the show is at this point?
0: It's like I said, the fact I am shocked by what I, I knew going in now. I'd not seen any first season episodes. I knew going in that the first season, first two seasons, you know, again, by season three, everyone seems to agree that the show finds its voice when the exact point is, is, you know, whatever. But I didn't know going in why exactly it had the first season had that reputation. And I get it now. Um, I think by this point we've got some good characters. There's some characters that still have some room to grow. Again, Worf and Geordie are two of the biggest ones. But, you know, Dr. Crusher is fairly formed. Picard is fairly formed. Riker is fairly formed at this point. Data is very much fairly formed. And I like all of those characters. Um, Again, another, no Wesley. Oh,
1: that's true, yeah. Hey! Um, In either one.
0: yeah. We haven't seen him in a while. Did he get fired?
1: No, he didn't get fired. Um, <laughs> He's still on the show, unfortunately.
0: It's a last dispar- in a less desperate attempt to get people to watch. The last few episodes of Next Generation did not feature Wesley. <laughs> um, you know, they just can't figure out what exactly they want to give them to do that's interesting. And yet, I appreciate that they're—again, the first part of the season was very much, okay, we're going to just dust off some Star Trek scripts and— change a few names around and hope for the best. And while they haven't figured out, what, I
1: would disagree with that. Well, a little no, bit. I know I mean, I'm being,
0: I'm exaggerating of course, but you know, there were so many in the first few episodes that are like, they're not doing anything different. And I'd say that now, while they haven't found their voice, they're at least trying to experiment with different types of stories they tell, or different tones, or different yeah. twists on that. And
1: well, I, you know, I think it's interesting because, you know, I, I was watching some of the uh, 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 documentary on the on the Blu-ray of the first season yesterday. Um, after I watched uh, uh, Conspiracy and you know it's it's funny because david gerald was uh being interviewed and and david gerald was was the writer for for the trouble with tribbles he wrote a couple episodes of the animated series and he yeah. he worked on the show i think for the first 13 episodes or maybe the first season of of the next generation and and something he said was really interesting where he said that you know This is Star Trek, right? Like Bob Justman was working on The Next Generation. David Gerald was working on it. Gene Roddenberry was working on it. Um, DC Fontana. Like all these people, like they had the same guy doing the costumes, you know. And so they had all of these original series veterans working on the show. And he said explicitly, um, we get to make the Star Trek that we always wanted to make. And what they make is awful. So... You know, no no disrespect intended to David Gerald. I think he's a he's a great writer, but it's just the fact that I think they were out of step with yeah. what television was doing in this the late eighties. Twenty 80s. years
0: later, the world had changed.
1: The world had changed and they did not change with it. And I don't think that any of them really worked on a lot of television. I mean Bob Justman did, but you know, you know, I don't. I don't really think that DC Fontana was working on TV so much. I don't think David Jerome was working on TV a lot. And so it just really feels like, you know, it was a mistake to. On the one hand, I feel like it was a mistake to have a lot of the same people that had worked on the original series work on the first yeah. season of Next Gen. On the other hand, you know, I would not recommend that a lot of people watch a lot of the episodes of the first season. I think there are, you know, maybe 10 episodes that are good. You should watch them. The rest you can probably skip, but I, you know, on the one hand, I, I think that's a shame. You know, if the show had hit the ground running fully formed, it it may have been better, but I just in term pure, you know, in pure terms of being able to, 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 to have some time to have a show, find its voice i think is something that we've lost and you know on the one hand it can feel like a waste of time to have an entire season or an entire couple of seasons of a tv show that isn't very good and then later on it becomes much better you know i think it's a shame that the only shows that survive now are the ones that hit the ground running and we don't get shows anymore that start out badly and then maybe eventually become something that could be transcendently good yeah, I think that's a. I think that's a shame. I think that's a problem. And I think you know, if if we can see nothing else from the first season of the Next Generation, I think that we should probably learn that lesson. That you know, if the show had been on network television, it would have been canceled most likely in the first season, and yeah. we wouldn't have gotten uh, really really good television. You know, in later seasons, we wouldn't have gotten Deep Space Nine. Um, we also wouldn't have gotten Voyager. So maybe that's probably not all wouldn't. bad. But
0: Star Trek would have. I mean, you talk about how if Phase 2 had happened, it would have been kind of just a hokey show. And maybe if this had been canceled after the first season, it would have been just this weird hokey thing, you know? Yeah.
1: I, I think in a lot of ways that's right. Yeah. And I – and I, you know, The Next Generation, for, for better or for worse, um, I think was the show that really – Really pushed. I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit with the animated series, where you could kind of retranslate Star Trek into something else, and the and the original series movies did that as well, but. They were all still the same crew. Yeah. It was all still the same kind of stuff. And
0: Animated series in a lot of ways was if budget and, you know, practicalities weren't a concern, you know, this is another season of Star Trek. Exa-
1: yeah, exactly. Basically, it's the fourth season of, of the, the original series. The
0: arts you know, episodes of Star Trek that are really big, you know. Right. Of course, more sophisticated than that, but, you know.
1: But I think The Next Generation is really the Star Trek that showed and proved that that the concept was, was able to morph with the times and was able to adapt and was able to change and we could create entirely new characters that people would respond to. And so, you know, for all of the first season's faults, yeah. I think it did a couple of really important things and it really did set the stage for what was to come. And so I, I, I don't want to denigrate the first season no. too much. It definitely isn't. Objectively, a great season of television. It has its moments, but it is important, and I, and I don't want to forget that.
0: You know, you talk about how, uh yeah, this is the Star Trek they wanted to make. I don't want to say it's a lazy season because it's not, but there is that actually makes sense. It feels like they maybe cocky is the right word. They're just like, oh, we know how to make a TV show. Oh, we just got to put the, we just got to get a cool captain. You know, we got to put people, and they've just got adventures, and you know, it will print money. And they're find, you know, they find out very quickly. No, that's not the case. You actually need to do a lot to you make. You need a re- to try, and so you know, maybe the fact, you know, and f- get it, you know. So after this point, some younger blood goes in, different producers, different writers.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And you know, so maybe that's kind of part of the reason that it does get so good is because it had a shitty first season. Like, look, your Star Trek will give you another chance, but it has to be good this time. Like, you've got one, you know, maybe they... Maybe after season one, they were given the season two ultimatum like, you know, look, no, we've got to you've got to make a hit show now. You've got to make a good show now.
1: And I mean, you know, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to, you know, undercut the the performance of the show either. I mean, it was doing pretty good. I mean, it was getting nine, 10 million viewers a week, which, you know, that was a lot for I mean, that wasn't a lot in 1987, 1988. But, you know, for a syndicated television show, um, that was a spinoff of a failed network yeah. show that was on 25 years earlier. A
0: network genres show yeah that, that <laughs> like remember the and a, a very was, specific genre
1: it was doing all right, and it certainly wasn't at the heights that the show would would get later, but you know it was it was doing all right, and so I don't want to forget that either no all right
0: well i'm very i mean I'm glad that we're done with season one. I'm ready for the show to get I'm ready for this show to get good again, I remember watching you know the very last couple seasons you know when I was younger, and I'm waiting for that kind of quality.
1: It's not going to come for a while. I know. But, uh, second season is, 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 is better than the first season. And, uh, it, it, it does start to get off to it. It gets off to a rocky beginning, but I think, you know, it does start to find its voice. And there actually are, uh, you know, two, three episodes in the second season that are legitimately like classic episodes. So it's getting there. It's getting there. You'll, you'll know them when you see them. Okay. And, uh, The Child and Where Silence Has Lease are perhaps not those episodes, but...
0: Can we pretend we're still in season one for another week?
1: We we can if you want to.
0: Oh, great. I hadn't made as many mistakes then as I did now. Like watching season one of Star Trek Next Generation.
1: I will just say this about The Child.
0: It's called The Child?
1: It was a repurposed phase two script. Ah... So you know that thing you said about how they just Uh, dusted off a script and changed some names? uh, (laughs) They just dusted off a script and changed some names. Oh, great. There's a very specific reason for that. We will get into that next week. Oh, boy! When we discuss The Child and Where Silence Has Lease.